Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Twenty ninth, twenty twenty two. Roland Martin is still on vacation. I'm attorney Robert Pitillo sitting in for him tonight. Here's what's coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. The FBI statistics are showing that hate crimes are on the rise in America, showing that African Americans are still the primary group being targeted. Over 60% of single basis hate crimes are being reported by African Americans. We're going to talk to Reverend S. Todd Gary out of Baltimore to discuss why we're seeing this uptick in hate crimes. Also. The Columbus, Ohio Police Department and prosecutors have raised eyebrows when a 36-year-old white male who's affiliated with white supremacist groups was able to kill 13-year-old Sinze Reed without consequence. He was initially arrested and charged with murder. Those charges were later dropped. We're going to talk to his mother about the current status of the case and what the community is doing to help bring attention uh, to this grave injustice. Also, Whoopi Goldberg 
is in hot water again. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg made controversial comments for a second time about the Holocaust, about um, the relationship between African Americans and the Jewish community. Remember, previously in life, she uh, articulated that she was a non-practicing Jew and took the, sur uh, the surname Goldberg. We're going to talk to leaders in the Jewish community about how her comments have affected the black Jewish community and what should be done about these comments going forward. Also, a viral video sparking outrage out of South Africa, where two young African or African boys uh, were swimming in a, uh, in a whites-only pool when they were assaulted. We're going to show that video and have reaction from our panel. Uh, finally, Jackson, Mississippi is again facing a boil water advisory as their water crisis continues. We'll talk to a city council member about what is being done to provide water to the area. It is time to bring the funk on Rolling Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Crimes are on the rise again in America, at least that's what uh, the FBI statistics are showing for the year 2021. And as always, African Americans are the primary victims of reports of hate crimes. 63% uh, of reported hate crimes in the year 2021 uh, from the FBI were reported by African Americans. Indeed, about a third of HBCUs received either bomb threats or threats of violence uh, from potential white supremacist groups. Additionally, students at predominantly white colleges our black students in predominantly white colleges have have faced increased incidents of hate crimes, uh, racial discrimination, and other threats to their personhood. Uh, we have seen this happen throughout the country. We cannot no longer ignore it, uh, whether it be in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia, or if it's the Proud Boys or the Boogaloo Boys or some of these other groups that uh, were involved in January 6th. These people are no longer hiding. These people are no longer afraid, and, we see, and we're seeing this metastasize into a new form of, Ameri of American extremism uh, that is becoming increasingly dangerous. Just this week, the governor of Michigan, uh, there was a plot to kidnap her, and, and one of the assailants uh, was sentenced to 16 years in prison, as opposed to getting a life sentence, as most people will get. We saw the threats against the, uh, the Kentucky governor uh, during the last election cycle. Additionally, these extremist groups are increasingly becoming a threat to the national security of the United States of America, and these Far right wing extremists are well armed, well financed, and they seem to be more motivated than ever. Uh, joining us to discuss this issue and some of the cases in, uh, in this sphere, uh, we're joined by Reverend and Attorney uh, Reverend S. Todd Yeary out of Baltimore. Reverend Yeary, how are you doing this evening? I'm good this evening, Brother Robert Patillo. How are you? 
I, I am outstanding, and I thank you so much for joining us on this Thursday evening. Uh, so we look, went over a few of the statistics. We we see that these crimes are increasing. What is motivating these white supremacists uh, to now come out in the open and be more active than we've seen them perhaps in the last couple decades? Well, I'm not sure if they're more active or we're just more aware. That's the first thing, I think, because— uh, we're getting more of this information publicly, it gives the impression that the incidences are more numerous. The other piece is, is how law enforcement has classically treated racial animus and racially motivated crimes. And so I'm not necessarily certain that this is an uptick as much as it is an awareness shift, the hostility, the racial microaggressions uh, that often turn into uh, other types of challenges is nothing new. And so I'm really kind of wondering what this is versus what this isn't. What we do know is that it's more public. We do know that there was a lot of uh, dog whistling and catcalling uh, in the prior presidential administration. We know that there has been a brewing of um, these kind of right-wing militia groups going back to the election of Barack Obama. And so there has been a festering of maybe a new sort of racial animus, but I think it's really just a difference in type, not necessarily a difference in number. Well, you know, it's interesting you, you bring that point up, because I feel that uh, we've seen a mainstreaming of this type of extremism, that these things that used to be in, you know, a, a QAnon chat room or a 4chan chat room somewhere in the deep, dark corners of the Internet, uh, now they're on the front page of your, uh, your Google search results. They're broadcast on cable news at night. There's very much white fear, as Roland's book articulates, uh, about losing your country, as we heard Marjorie Taylor Greene and other people articulate the Republican National Convention. Uh, in 2020, defending Western society. Well, when they say Western society, they're not talking about Ghana. Uh, they're not talking about uh, the Incas or the Iroquois. They're talking about Western European uh, society when they talk about defending those things. And this mainstreaming of it, I think, is a, a factor in motivating more people to become more and more radical. How can we fight back against this mainstream media push to uh, uh, create almost a uh, excuses for extremism to rise in the country? Well, we got to remember, uh, mainstream media, corporate media, uh, profit-making media comes with an, an angle, with a slant, with a motivation. And so we have to consider what is the bias of the media in terms of how uh, these stories are reported, uh, how the offenders are actually uh, presented. Uh, very often, depending on how this issue gets framed, you may or may not get information about a particular uh, victim versus an, a, a particular offender. And, and that's part of the design, because at the end of the day, media is reinforcing this narrative around this racial openness and this lack of hostility that is really in the psyche of black and brown people, right? It's all in our heads that this kind of stuff is happening in America, because America has always been this egalitarian bastion of hope and opportunity for the rest of the world it has nothing to do with the founding documents uh, being rife with uh, all of the kinds of uh, racial animus by structuring the government to actually prioritize and, and create a hierarchy of race. Forget that part. Let's just kind of pretend uh, that since Brown v. Board, since the days of Dr. King and the modern civil rights movement, since I have a dream, 
uh, we've we've awakened in this uh, euphoria that somehow or other these problems are not endemic uh, to the fabric of the United States of America. So part of this is the media has an angle. They have a bent. But the other part is, is you got to look at who's sponsoring these shows. And I think if we follow the money, if we look at the money trail and who are the entities that benefit from this kind of reporting, I think you'll come away with a narrative that won't be shocking to many if we put it in its proper historical context. You know, it's interesting. All those corporations in 2020, uh, when you had the Freedom Summer, Black Lives Matter, and activism and marching over George Floyd, all those same corporations that said they were going to donate money to civil rights and community groups and do all this diversity and education and blah, 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 uh, they end up donating money to Republican candidates in the next uh, election cycle. You know, if you go down the donation list, a lot of those people who said they were going to donate to black folks donate to Herschel Walker. Uh, so I, I don't think that's exactly what we were asking for when we were marching. And now, just legally, from a legal perspective, how exactly does somebody or do they tabulate what the hate crimes are? Uh, some people would argue aren't all crimes based on hate. Uh, how do they uh, how do they articulate these numbers and know that there's a rise in hate crimes specifically against African Americans? Well, that's the that's the big challenge, right? The hate crime uh, statute actually requires some proving that there's racial animus at the root of the motivation of the actual criminal act. And that's hard to tell by uh, just kind of uh, observing. You've got to get beneath the surface, look at the detail. Is there background information? Is there a history of certain types of statements against certain groups of people? Uh, are there uh, other pieces of information in the investigation of what may be going on currently that indicates there's some, some racial animus, some racial motivation? And so the reporting of these numbers gets to be pretty interesting. Uh, but what's clear is that the vast majority of the numbers that are reported are still overwhelmingly against persons of color who find themselves on the receiving end of racially motivated hostility, well over 50% when compared uh, to the different demographic groups by DOJ's own reporting. And so when we look at the number of instances, the disparities in terms of who's actually involved actually being uh, terrorized in this process means a whole lot when we go back and look at how we just got the uh, the Emmett Till anti-lynching law passed. So when we look at mob action motivated by racial animus, the real question for me is not only do we have uh, hate crimes investigated, but will hate crimes be prosecuted under this new law that is very, very recent within the last uh, year or two uh, to be able to uh, make sure that we, we mitigate, we push back against this trend of frequency where you can see marches in Charlottesville uh, crying out, uh, Jews will not replace us. And, and then the, uh, the president saying, the former president saying, there were good people on both sides of the issue. Or we see the kinds of violence acted out on 1-6, where some folks say that was just a tour of the Capitol, while others say it was an actual insurrection. When you have that kind of just kind of asinine uh, debate about what is really going on, it makes you begin to question whether or not these investigations that will often start with local and state authorities will ever rise to federal enforcement because the lens that they're using to determine whether or not this is a racially motivated event is somehow captured in uh, the neutrality of history that says we don't have those kinds of problems here. 
Mm. Last question before we go, because I'm, I'm going to give you the counter argument. I, I can hear it already with people saying, well, even with this uptick, is this really the biggest problem facing the black community? Isn't black on black crime a bigger issue? What about crime in Baltimore, crime in Chicago, crime in D.C., everywhere else going up? Shouldn't we be concentrating on those things as opposed to the rare instances of uh, uh, racially motivated crime? Well, that's always the case, right? So the, the black on black uh, crime argument is what about white on white crime argument, right? So typically criminal behavior is within communities that are that are internal, not external. So we, we can kind of set that off to the side. But then to the argument about whether or not we should focus on racially motivated crime, that that typically is a sign of either cluelessness or privilege because white people don't have to figure out what's going to happen to me when I walk down the street because I'm white. Black people, depending on where they are, what they're doing, as we've seen in some of these other cases that have recently come up, you begin to kind of raise this question, right? When, when you have, even in Maryland not too long ago, a white guy who kills uh, a young brother who had just graduated, gotten his commission in the United States Army, kills him before he can actually spend one day of service as an officer uh, in, in the military. We have these things that happen, and they're not a figment of our imagination. And to continue to pretend that somehow or other these numbers are either insignificant or somehow irrelevant uh, shows short shrift and will really reinforce the kinds of racial hostility we're seeing playing out in communities across the country. Absolutely. Well, it's something we absolutely have to monitor and something we have to pay attention to, because, as you said, we're not making it up. Uh, when you drive through a neighborhood as an African-American, you see a bunch of Confederate flags, you generally get the idea that I might not want to be there. And that's a form of racial animus that other groups do not experience. We, of course, had the uh, the case up in Penn State where Bryce Williams, a, a young college graduate, uh, just happened to be at the school playing basketball, and there happened to be a Proud Boys rally at the same time, and he ended up in the ICU thereafter. And people are claiming, well, the Proud Boys rally had nothing to do with him randomly being attacked uh, by a, a group of Caucasian men uh, just for playing basketball. So we have to monitor these situations and bring light to them. Otherwise, people will just try to convince us that don't believe your lying eyes, believe what I'm saying. Thank you so much, Reverend S. Todd Yeri out of Baltimore. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back with more Rolling Martin Unfiltered streaming live on the Black Star Network. We'll be right back. I love directing. It's a different kind of piece. I do believe that the 30 years I was acting was to prepare me for what I'm supposed to be doing and that what I'm really am good at. But when you were acting, were you even thinking about directing? No. Nope. Were, were you, so what the hell happened? You had asked me 15 years ago, I probably would have said, no, I don't know. I was doing Ava's, uh, Ava DuVernay's first film, I Will Follow. Mm -hmm. And during that process, I think, because it was her first film, maybe she I- She self-taught. Absolutely. I probably gave too many suggestions. And at some point, <laughs> Ava said to me, I think you're a director and you don't know it. about blackness and what happens in black culture. We're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause 
too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Carl Payne pretended to be Roland Martin. Holla! You are watching Roland Martin, and I'm on his show today, and it's... What? Huh? You should have some chew cards! Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. E I want to continue this conversation on the uptick in hate crimes, specifically targeting African-Americans to bring our panel in. Uh, we're joined by Dr. Greg Carr, uh, Department of African-American Studies, Howard University, as well as Rebecca Carruthers, Vice President, Fair Election Center, and also conservative activist Lucretia Hughes, co-founder of Fallback Productions. I thank all of you so much for joining us. I'm going to go directly to you, Dr. Carr, on this topic. You know, the FBI statistics came out saying that 63% uh, of recorded reported hate crimes. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Crimes were reported by African Americans. Uh, we, of course, have seen the news stories throughout the year uh, about the uptick in uh, racially motivated violence, the uh, threats against HBCUs. What do you think is causing this uh, uptick in, in uh, threats against African Americans? Well, good, good to be with you again, Robert. You've been doing a great job, man, um, hosting. And uh, yeah, I think you all covered it with uh, Reverend Dr. Geary, with our brother Ty Geary. Uh, this is in the fundamental DNA of this country. There's nothing new here. In fact, I think maybe the story in terms of the FBI might be the underreporting. We know that in the 2020 report data that they had about 3,500 agencies, uh, police agencies around the country didn't report any data in 2020, and that number doubled in the 2021 report. There's no data in this report from, uh, from Florida, a uh, little from California, but there's no data from New York City or L.A. or Chicago, Phoenix. Uh, the story might be that, and in fact, some of the cities that have over 100,000 people who did report, reported zero in terms of hate crimes. I think you summed, to sum it up, uh, I think you summed it perfectly before the break when you say, you know, th being black in America, in the modern world, really, but certainly in the United States of America, is an exercise in being gaslit all the time. You won't believe me or your lying encounters with uh, with law enforcement and and with them not even chronicling what is happening, and it has been happening to African people, certainly, and not just black people, but, you know, hate crimes, we don't we don't know what the data is. We just know that it's a lot. Absolutely. Uh, Lucretia, I want to bring you into this conversation. So Tim Scott, uh, in the prior administration, introduced the Justice Act, which was going to address many of the issues with law enforcement uh, when it comes to encounters with the African-American community. We saw uh, Rand Paul introduce anti-lynching legislation uh, in uh, the Senate. What will it take to get a, a bipartisan agreement uh, in order to deal with issues of racial violence and racially motivated crimes against African-Americans? Learn to fight. What's wrong with y'all? What's wrong with y'all? All I keep hearing is, what's going to happen? What's been happening? I'm sorry. I was raised with three fathers. One was the founding member of the Black Panther Party of Bedstock, Brooklyn. Where's y'all get up and go? Where's y'all backbone? Where's you to get out there on the street? You waiting for someone else to clean up around our neighborhoods? Why we can't do it? Why we keep pointing the fingers at everybody else because that blame game been happening? I'm 48 years old. I've been listening to this for all my life, and it has not stopped me. So when people are out here and want to attack, you attack back. Where is the backbone in our community? Where is the fathers to sweep around the front doors and actually jack our own kids up so they are no right, so they won't be in the street? So you're talking about black-on-black -black crime because I want to. My son was murdered. Anybody give him any reverence? No. Did anybody put a statue up? No. Because it didn't go with the narrative. He wasn't killed by a white man. He wasn't killed by a cop. He was killed by his own kind. And they didn't care about what he looked like. They didn't care about where he came from. It was straight up evilness. So until you somehow be able to squash the evilness inside of human beings, you ain't gonna stop nothing. You ain't gonna do nothing but keep complaining about it. Y'all are way older than me. Where y'all been? Where you been? I'm 48. Oh well, well, Lucretia, I'm 38. No, so now I know, I, I know, I, I know, I look racism. old. That's just the sadness, That's though. Not her. But, that is but, but, but hold on.
Lucretia, but on that point, you know, we we have statutes in place uh, that specifically target groups to prevent them from targeting. You know, we have a violence against women's uh, women at. So do you are decreasing the instances of individuals who are fighting and get, or who are targeting um, women? You have the uh, anti-LGBT uh, legislation to stop people from targeting the LGBT community. Why do you think there shouldn't be that type of legislation supporting and helping the black community? You're not stopping it. You not you haven't stopped it. This has been going on for decades, way before I was born. The lynching, that should have been handled way back then, not in 2023, when my grandfather and my grandmother, who was biracial, that was having strategy meetings with Martin Luther King, you know, David Abernathy and the rest of us. I'm a little girl looking up to these people and soaking it all in. They've been fighting on the front line all their lives. Where are we gotten? How my grandparents, the first interracial couple of Jackson County, Georgia, march on, march on Selma, Alabama, as my grandmother was the babysitter for the King's family, and my mom was best friends with the kids, and I sat there and I heard. Do you think they cared about what my grandfather looked like? No, they didn't. When he walked and marched on Selma, Alabama, when he got beat up by those water hoses and those dogs, he was white too. But do they get credit? Do you give these people credit? Or do you continue to point at their community as they're the problem? Like you said, most black people won't go in a white neighborhood, but how in the world is ours still jacked up? But we're gonna look on the outside, not the inside. Not the ones, the mothers and the aunties and the fathers and the uncles that sat on the front porch and looked at everybody's children and put them in line. Now you can barely say anything to anybody, child, before they get up in an uprage. So I was raised with strong, militant black people and strong, caring white people that molded me who I am today to have biracial grandchildren that would get on the front line. I don't care about a politician. I don't sit in office because eventually some of these people been sitting up there mm -hmm. two, three, four, well, well, five, well, six, get, generations let's, let's and decades. All right, look, now, Lucretia, give us just a second. We're gonna we're gonna keep the conversation going. I do want to bring uh, Rebecca into the conversation. Uh, so Rebecca, Rebecca, just kind of melding the two points together. Uh, it does seem that the legislative solution to stopping uh, uh, hate crimes has not been effective. Do you think the focus has to turn to uh, us creating policies in our own community to defend ourselves? As Lucretia posited. So I'm a lawyer, and one thing that I would say is that we need to have an official record. We need to know actually what are the hate crimes that are happening towards the black community in this country, because oftentimes we do see an erasure. And so from a historical point of view, we need to be able to point in the future and show like, yes, this is the baseline. This is what was happening against black folks in the United States, because otherwise what happens is that folks will then act like in years to come that these things didn't happen. If we didn't have um, the museum um, in Alabama that um, actually showed the number of lynchings that happened across the country, you would still have a lot of people who would disregard it and didn't think any of those things happened. Like, here's another example. If we didn't just, quote unquote, learn as a society about Tulsa, people would never have believed that nearly 100 years ago, that there were lots of black communities across the country that were actually building and strong in many of the things that the other panelists is referring to. And the crazy thing is, people think that Tulsa just 
just happened in a vacuum. But that same year, when you, I think it was called the Red Summer, there was over three dozen Black communities across the country that were similarly burned down. So we have to have a historical record when it comes to actually hate crimes against Black folks in America for us to actually understand what is actually going on. Um, to the point of your panelists talking about the need for strong Black communities, I don't see how uh, how that is something that is um, diametrically opposed to actually having strong and meaningful legislation to make sure that hate crimes are properly recorded within the United States. Uh, and, and just kind of to piggyback on that, I want to go to Dr. Carr on that same point. Uh, do you think there uh, is a uh, is a space or there should be a place in our community for, at the same time we were working on political action to strengthen laws against hate crimes, also strengthening the community where we are ready, prepared, and educated on how to fight back in case we do experience a racial encounter? You know, we had a case down in South Georgia uh, where there was a young African-American man with his white girlfriend who got chased down uh, by a group of uh, uh, white supremacists and a pickup truck, they fired at them, killing one person in the vehicle to save themselves, but he was still convicted of murder in that case. That case is currently under appeal. Uh, should we be talking more about self-defense in the community while we're working on getting through the intransigence of Washington, D.C. and creating stronger laws? Yes. In a word, I agree with uh, you, Rebecca. Um, there should be a record. If we're going to live in a society that calls itself a society, we know the United States of America, a, a criminal enterprise since its founding, founded in, in violence, has never been that type of place. But if we're going to talk about it as that kind of place, then it has to start with, for example, in this very specific instance, mandatory reporting. Right now, it's voluntary. So legislation that forces these police entities by the thousands to report and not to just report zero and get it away. I agree with you, Rebecca. We have to have that record because it does establish a baseline. Now, in terms of what you said, Lucretia, hey, if we must die, let us nobly die. You talk about uh, having a father who was involved in the, in the Panthers. Well, you know, as we know in California, when the Panthers uh, armed uh, policed the streets of Oakland and then went up into the uh, Sacramento to the California state legislature. Well, guess what started to happen? They started to change the laws. Now, Clarence Thomas, who has made some fairly ridiculous uh, 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 judicial opinions along the lines of kind of this overemphasis on the Second Amendment and an overemphasis on punitive measures against people, he's big, he's a big fan of prisons does have a point, it seems to me, when he talks about the idea that black people should be self-determining and that the Second Amendment plays a role in that. So um, maybe I'm—I hope I'm not misunderstanding you, Rebecca, but I mean—I mean, Lucretia, I'm sorry. But in, in this instance, are you saying that while we continue to strengthen our communities, rebuild, build our communities, police ourselves, that if uh, someone tries to enact a hate crime on us, we should uh, send them to the cemetery? Is that what you're saying? I, 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 uh, think look, first you go ahead. I think they're hiding my shirts. My shirt right behind me says F around and find out. Uh -huh. I'm not sit here. Hey, wait. I'm not going to sit here and wait for the police to come protect me. I'm part of the NRA outreach committee. I'm part of a girl in a gun. I testified in front of Congress about me protecting myself against all violence, all evil. So if I'm sitting here waiting on a man or a woman to save my life, that ain't going to happen. Because by the time I put down that phone, they have already ran in my house. I'm not waiting 10 minutes. I'm not waiting 20 minutes. And I'm not waiting if they don't show up. I'm going to protect myself. And while I'm out there touring around the world and touring around America, I'm going to teach every woman 
no matter if she's red, yellow, black, white, gay, or straight, how to protect herself, her family, and her loved ones from any hate, harm, or danger. So, Robert, then oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bad, I'm a bad, I'm a bad, I don't, I don't play. All right, I don't play. Lucretia, uh, let me get Dr. Carr in, and then we're uh, going to hit a quick break. Uh, Dr. Okay. Carr, last comment. And this, this kind of goes to what you asked me, uh, Robert, and thank you, Lucretia, for, for articulating that. I guess my question then would be, just as when the Panthers said they had the right to arm self-defense, at which point the state, local, and federal governments conspired with the counterintelligence program to try to kill all the damn Black Panthers they could, just like every time Black folk try to defend themselves and the full power of the policing element in this country then turns against them, law be damned, what do we do when we do, in fact, engage in those acts of self-defense and find ourselves face-to-face with the power, the police power of the state. Should we then fight the police and the military? Because we know history tells us that's who Judged by 12, then carried by six. All right, I think that's a great... For me. I, I, I think that's a great place to but end it. I, 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 I'm going to tell you right, go, go ahead, Rebecca. So here's the thing, Ms. Lucretia. I support your... So, Hold on, Lucretia. I want to hear Rebecca, and then we'll go back. All right, go ahead, Rebecca. I support your FAFO. I support that movement as well. But as an attorney, if I'm going to defend you in court for defending yourself, there has to be laws that I can point to and use as the baseline and the guidelines for me to be able to defend you in court. So the reason why laws such as hate crime laws are um, important in this country, because it allows for some enhancements when it comes to the criminal prosecution side of someone who messed around with you and then you have a lawful right to defend yourself. But also, if you are charged by the state for lawfully defending yourself, such as what we see sometimes in Florida and Georgia, how black folks, when they try to use the stand your ground law and when they're told that, no, that didn't apply in that situation, if we don't have these baseline standards and laws, then how can I protect you when you legally and lawfully defend yourself? Okay, we, we have to leave it right there. Well, hold on, the crew. We have to leave it right there because we have to hit a break. Because we have to hit the- Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports. Sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. That story. But we'll see if we can work this back in later on in the show. Cause I think this is a, a hot topic that many people want to talk about. We're going to go to a quick break. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. We'll be back after the break. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, we welcome the Black Star Network's very own Roland Martin, who joins us to talk about his new book, White Fear, how the browning of America is making white folks lose their minds. The book explains so much about what we're going through in this country right now and how, as white people head toward becoming a racial minority, it's going to get, well, let's just say even more interesting. We are going to see more violence. We're going to see more vitriol because as each day passes, it's, it, it is a nail in that coffin. The one and only Roland Martin on the next Black Table, right here on the Black Star Network. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, it's time to tie up those loose ends. Setting yourself up for balance, success, and even prosperity in the new year. Financial expert Pamela Sams joins our panel. She will give us a checklist of things that we need to do before the calendar turns. We develop our money mindset by the age of six. And so we have our sometimes six-year-old self still operating in the background of our money scripts. That's next 
on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Cupid, the maker of the Cupid Shuffle and the Wham Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. And if you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. In Columbus, Ohio, uh, the community is outraged as the assistant of prosecutors to drop charges against 36-year-old white convicted criminal uh, Craig Butler has sparked outrage. As many of you who have followed the story will know, in October, Craig Butler Sr. shot and killed 13-year-old Sinze Reed, uh, then fled the scene in his vehicle. Of course, there were eyewitnesses. There was video of this taking place. Uh, initially, uh, Mr. Butler was charged with murder in the case. However, on October 19th, without giving a reason, the prosecutor decided to drop the charges against Mr. Butler. Now, of course, there is no statute of limitations uh, uh, for murder charges, so the prosecution has time uh, to refile these charges if necessary. Uh, th there is a federal investigation potentially into the case, has not been announced by the Justice Department yet, for violation of the civil rights of uh, Mr. Reed. To talk a little more about this case, we're joined by the mother of uh, Sensei Reed. Uh, joining us remotely. Miss um, Reed, how are you doing this morning or this evening? Uh, Mrs. Reed, uh, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, there we go. Uh, so, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, uh, we, of course, condolences for everything your family has gone through. Uh, what information have you gotten from police or prosecutors about why these charges were dropped against Mr. Butler? Um, they told me that they could only hold him for 10 days. And with the evidence that they had, that they didn't want it to present it to the grand jury yet. Because if the grand jury decided not to convict him, then they couldn't uh, retry him again. All right, and what additional information uh, are they saying that they need in order to charge him? You know, we have eyewitnesses. We have video of what happened. We saw him flee the scene. You know, what is what what are they articulating that they need? Um, they said that they're waiting for the autopsy report to come back. Okay, and have they given you an estimation, uh, estimation on that? I know in where I practice, often it can take up to six months for those autopsy reports to come back. Have they given you any timetable on the issue? Um, they told me the last time I spoke to someone, she told me it could take two or more months. And right now it's been about three months. And I haven't spoke to no one since then. Uh, understood. Now, from uh, from what I've read, the community has really rallied around the family. There's a, a rally plan for this weekend uh, to try to compel law enforcement to charge uh, Mr. Butler in this case. Can you talk a little bit about the rally and the community report uh, support you've received? Um, okay, so a little bit about the rally. I wasn't really for it, but I was trying to wait for the justice system to do its job. But my son being black, it's not going to happen. Um, even if they couldn't charge him with murder right now, he is on probation for domestic violence. So they could have held him for his gun that he's not supposed to have. Also, he is was shooting in a school zone. So they should have got him for that. It's a lot of things they could have held him on if they couldn't charge him with murder right now. But he's still out. He's still a free man. Um, we live in the same apartment complex. Well, he got evicted now. But he has family that lives out here. So he's still here. Like, he still comes here. So... 
I need something to be done. Like, there's no way that my son should be dead and he's walking the streets a free man. So you're saying he's he's still he's been a victim, but you still see him in the community even after he has committed such a heinous act, and prosecutors and the police have done nothing to stop him. Nothing. I asked about um, getting a protection order. They told me that I could not get one until he's convicted. Wow. Wow. And so what what groups are sponsoring this rally? Because we want to make sure we provide the community support necessary and reach out to law enforcement and prosecutors to find out. Uh, because, I, I, as you said, I can't see this happening uh, if little Susie uh, was the person dead, where they're still allowing this person not just to be free, but to menace the same area, to potentially intimidate witnesses, to destroy evidence, uh, all the all the things that, that you can do when you're out of uh, when you're out of uh, uh, when you're out on bond. I think we lost Mrs. Reed, so I'm going to bring our panel in. Oh, or, sorry. We, 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 we tell Ms. Reed. I'm sorry. Can, all right, can you hear us now, Ms. Reed? I didn't Ms. hear Reed. the question, like the phone like uh, paused or something. No, no problem. No problem at all. You know, it's, it's we're part of that new generation where we everything happens over the internet. So just like all these Zoom calls at work. But uh one well, is there anything that people need to know about the rally on Sunday? Because we want to make sure that people can provide the community support to ensure that this person is brought to justice. Because I think that it's even more appalling that you still have to see this individual walking the streets and not be in custody while awaiting trial. Um, yeah, actually, I just seen that on Facebook. He just posted a video of my son, again, at a shooting range and saying that my son tried to kill him. I told the detective about that when, because he's been posting the same video for months, since October, since he killed I think we're we're working on getting Miss uh, Reed's connection back established, but I do want to bring the panel in. Uh, Rebecca, I want to go to you first on this. Uh, now, have you ever heard of a situation where somebody is accused of murder and then not just released on bond, but allowed to still be around the families of the victims, around the crime scene, uh, posting information on social media, et cetera? Say, I wanted to suggest the humanity of this. My heart goes out for Ms. Reed and her family to have to deal with this, to have to see this person who murdered her child um, multiple times, like in her home community where she lives, um, in her apartment complex. I just want to say that. Um, but what's unfortunate is that this happens too often in this country where we have um, two systems of justice. We have a system of justice for those who commit crimes who are white, and we have a system of justice for those who commit crimes um, who are black or even those who are other people of color. Um, so it, it doesn't make sense here. I mean, there's different things that local authorities could do, even with temporary restraining orders. And so to even hear a local law enforcement um, agency to say there's nothing they could do until a conviction, that simply isn't true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, she, she's significantly further along in her journey with Christ than I am, because me seeing somebody who has murdered my child, there's a very good chance that I'll be the person on trial. So uh, the, the fact that police have not done anything to uh, keep this individual away from the family of the person that he killed uh, is quite— uh, it's, it's out there for me. Dr. Carr, I wanted to bring you in uh, on this conversation—bring uh, you in for a comment on this, because uh, this is so abhorrent that I'm trying to understand what justification there 
could be. And should the federal government step in to uh, file hate crimes uh, charge of potential in this case, or even to enforce the uh, the anti-gun restrictions? Because under under Ohio law, uh, it doesn't stop you from owning a gun if you have a domestic violence conviction, but under federal law, it does. So that would vitiate a investigation or potential prosecution by the federal government. Well, I mean, with what we know, it almost seems, Robert, and, and you and Rebecca would know better than I would, that this is probably the trajectory we're headed on. Uh, let me echo what you said, Rebecca, and offer my condolences as well and, and deepest sympathies to Ms. Reed and, and to her family and, and the loss of young Sine. Um, I lived in Columbus for about five years when I was in graduate school and law school. And uh, this just, this is standard practice not just in the United States of America, but in Columbus, that would consider itself a, a, a liberal city, so to speak. Uh, when we see what the Columbus Dispatch reported and the Franklin County prosecuting attorney, Gary Tyak, his office put out a report and said that it's standard practice for almost every felony case in municipal court to be dismissed. And he said, well, well, well we're going to bring it, but maybe we'll bring it before the grand jury. We won't say any more at this time. Standard practice, huh? This white man is, is is running around in the streets of Southwest Columbus talking smack, posting stuff on social media. And you heard, we all heard Ms. Reed say the man has, uh, he's on probation and he has a gun he wasn't supposed to have. So I think, Robert, what, you, what you've asked is probably already answered through your experience, through Rebecca's experience, and through most attorneys' experiences. I expect it will as well to hear uh, that the federal government's going to get involved in this with the facts that we know so far. So we have Ms. Reed back. So, uh, Lucrece, we're going to come to you after uh, afterwards, because you have very specific experience of this and, under, and a special level of understanding. So we're going to get the last comment from you. Uh, but, Ms. Reed, could you t tell us about your son? Because often what gets lost in these conversations is the individual. Uh, we don't need another hashtag. We don't need another name on a shirt. I want to understand your son as a human being so people can understand the humanity of this case. My son, he just turned 13. Like, he still had his whole life ahead of him. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <laughs> I'm sorry. It took so much to take him. Like, that's my baby. <laughs> And I have no remorse for it at all. It breaks my heart. Like, every day I'm going to wake up and my son is here. Because the coward took him away from me. And now he's trying to claim it's self-defense. Like, how could you be scared of my little baby? If anything, he could have called the police. He could have did a lot of things. But he chose to shoot my baby and then come back, stop his car, and left him for dead. This is something I would never get over. Like, I got to live with this for the rest of my life. And the justice system not even helping me because why? My son's black. And, of course, all of us, uh, the entire panel, everyone here, uh, we send every bit of support and, uh, that we can to you. What message would you give to prosecutors and police who are still dragging their feet on arresting this individual, particularly when he still is in the community, when he still has the opportunity to intimidate or uh, alter evidence, to intimidate witnesses, to destroy uh, videos, etc.? What message would you send to police and prosecutors about getting this man off the street? I would say that, first of all, I wasn't even notified that Craig was out of jail. So he could have came over here. He could. I, I think we're still having some connection issues with Ms. Reed. Uh, Lucretia, I wanted to bring you in on this conversation uh, because you have firsthand experience with this. Well, what do you think has to happen for law enforcement to really take seriously the murders of black boys in this country and start investigating them and clearing those cases, convicting people at the same rates as any other community? Her name was Mrs. Reed, right? Ms. Reed, oh. please don't let your heart get hardened. Please don't let that animosity that you feel right now, don't let it consume your soul. You can't bring your son back. There's nothing you can do about that. Every year it gets a little lighter, but it gets heavier and darker too, ma'am. I'm so sorry any mother or father ever have to deal with that or hear the screaming and the piercing in your soul. You won't forget him. If you don't get easier, that burden gets heavier. And you just got to stand until either this go through the justice system. But please, ma'am, don't take this in your own hands. Do not let that animosity harden your heart on mankind. And also, if you want to do anything, you make sure that people know who he was 
And then you start within your own community to change what you need to change, ma'am. But I'm telling you, it's six years later, and I'm crying because you are, because I remember that time when even a black man that killed my son, the police didn't do shit. They didn't do nothing. And I had to sit there and watch this dude throw up gang signs like it was a laughing matter. And what happened to me is my heart went hard for six months, and it took so long to get out that darkness. So I'm asking you, it don't get lighter. Have those emotions, have those feelings, and you cry and you get that out there. And when you get stronger, because you will, and you're going to shift your eyes and you're going to shift your path, but you're going to save a whole bunch of people. And if not, you're going to have that empathy and that sympathy for the next mother or father, sister or brother. But I'm telling you, this is an injustice, and I don't care about what's going on on the inside. If he's guilty, I hope he burn in hell. Uh, absolutely. And, Ms. Reed, I want to give you the last word. Uh, can you tell people how they can help to support the family and how, uh, what they can do to uh, contact police, prosecutors, or even community groups to help pressure them to arrest this uh, this person? Um, just please share his story. Let everyone know what's going on. Um, a lot of people, even where I live at, never knew about my son. Like, they showed it on the news one time when it first happened. After that, it hasn't been talked about ever since. And this happened in October. It's about to be January. Please share his story and get this out, because Craig Butler needs to be in jail. I will, I will share your son's story. He has a face. He has a mother. He has a family. And now he got us. There's people all over my timeline and watching my show right now, red, yellow, black, and white, saying, get her information, see how we can help her from all over the United States. And they they feel you, and I see and feel you. And I just want to put my arms around you and give you the biggest hug. But I will share your son's story. I will make and sure I, we get out. And I will spread I, the word. We thank you so much, and we thank all the panelists for the support. Uh, you can go search the hashtag Sinze Reed, S-I-N-Z-A-E-R-E-E-D, on Twitter. Uh, that will help you to get updates on the case when the rallies are taking place. And we, of course, are going to keep you updated on everything in this. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Ms. Reed. Our thoughts and prayers with you and your family. We'll be back after the break on Rolling Martin Unfiltered, streaming live from the Black Star Network. impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause 
too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. What's up, everybody? It's Godfrey, the funniest dude on the planet. <laughs> Hi, I'm Israel Houghton. Apparently, the other message I did was not fun enough. So this is fun. You are watching... Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. Black and missing, Yarael Ben Yahuda uh, was last seen leaving his Rockville, Maryland home on October 23rd, 2022. Uh, he's 27 years old, is five feet eight inches tall, about 160 pounds, with brown eyes and black hair. Uh, Yarael suffers from a mental condition that, that may impact his ability to communicate uh, re uh, responsibly if approached. Anyone with information about Yarael Ben Yahuda uh, is urged to call the Rockville City Police Investigations Unit at two. 240-314-8938. That's 240-314-8938 for more information. Of course, we want to bring all of our Black and Missing home, particularly in this holiday season, uh, uh, when family is so important. Uh, moving on to a viral video that comes to us out of South Africa. Uh, so for those who have not seen it, a group of white men in Malice at the Malice Port Resort in South Africa tried to keep two brothers, aged 18 and 13, from using the resort's swimming pool. Video captured by the sister of the two boys shows the alleged uh, incident that took place at the pool. Uh, the video shows a white man slapping the 13-year-old, who is then thrown back into the pool. Uh, a man holds the teen underwater. Uh, this new surveillance has um, been released showing the moment before the attack. Police are now launching an investigation into this assault. Uh, and part of the reason we like to have a global perspective on things, particularly within the African-American or the African diaspora, uh, is that white supremacy is not a, an American invention. It does not just happen here. It happens globally. You can look at the experience of uh, refugees in Ukraine. You, know, you can look at uh, people seeking asylum from Northern Africa and Italy and uh, France uh, who are experiencing discrimination. Dr. Carr, you are the expert on this. Can you talk a little bit about? Uh, can you talk a little bit about the fact that even after all these years and all the progress we've made in South Africa, this type of racial animus still exists? Well, I mean, I don't blame white people. Uh, they invaded South Africa, the Dutch. Uh, still in the South African curriculum. They talk about Jan van Riebeek in 1652. Uh, the English, uh, hell, they still black people celebrate getting Rhodes scholarships, Cecil Rhodes and all his criminal enterprise down there in South Africa. 
the great Voor trekkers, who are the pilgrims of Southern Africa, the, the stories they tell about the pilgrims here in Manifest Destiny later on in the United States, they tell the stories in South Africa about the great trek, the Voor trekkers as they move. And they still have monuments in South Africa. I said I'd like to say that white people really feel threatened in South Africa, and, and those who are deep white supremacists are trying to preserve their identity. Here's where they come into a problem. And we've seen recently in Cape Town, there was a, a nightclub incident, I believe, and uh, you saw black people, coloreds, and whites, and I hate to use those three categories, but that's the tripartite system that was set up there. Um, uh, in May, at Stellenbosch University, which is in some ways the brain trust of apartheid, uh, there were protests because a, a white student was seen urinating. There's a video of him urinating on the belongings of his black roommate. And finally, in Blomfontein, this is where this is coming from, it's about four hours out of Joburg, there in South Africa, you see these white people, mostly adults, pushing back these young black people. But here's where you come to the problem, Robert, and I'll end with this. Oh, white people are the deep minority in South Africa. And as in, I've taken students to South Africa many times. And, you know, it's interesting because with all of the challenges that country has to this day, challenges of class and politics and all that, one thing's for certain, the generation of Nelson Mandela is just about finished making physical transition. And they used to say, look, the old man is kind to y'all, but when my diva goes, we're going to settle some scores. They better be real careful on who they push on in South Africa because they might get pushed into the damn Indian Ocean or the, or, or the Atlantic. You know, one of the coldest lines uh, of the last 20 years in hip-hop was Lupe Fiasco and Diamonds uh, from Sierra Leone, where he says, Cecil Rhodes sold war and genocide into the countryside just to get his shine on. I see what do Beers and his peers used to do to give kids a lifetime bid just to cut and shine stone. We don't hear that in hip-hop anymore, so I'm just, just putting that out there. Uh, Lucretia, I kind of know what your answer is, but w w is it time that we stop teaching people to, you know, turn the other cheek and be nice to these folks who try to strangle you? I was going to say, should we start teaching... Okay? Lucretia, hold on. Should we be start teaching young people self-defense in situations like this when it comes to dealing with these encounters with people who are trying to racially discriminate and bully them, as opposed to, you know, hoping we get it on video and somebody does something later? I'm going to say this again. Don't assume me. Do not assume who I am because you think that because I am a conservative or a Republican or anything else. I'm a woman and I'm a child of God and I know what I believe. No one else knows what's in my head or in my heart. So if you ask me a question, I can address that question, but never feel like you know me or assume that you think that I'm thinking the same thing you are. Don't do that to me. Don't ever do it to another person or a person on your panel. You treat them fairly and you give them their point of view, not try to put something in their head or you think I might say. You know, I could have flipped the script and said, hey, you better ride out and do what you got to do to protect your uh, community. That's what I probably would have said. But like you said, you, you know what I was about to say, so let everybody know what I was about to say. I was going to say exactly that, that I think it's time to start teaching self-defense to young people, That's that right. in addition in addition to hoping that we get it on video and that law enforcement will come and help, I think we need to put people in a position where just in case those things don't happen, uh, that they are able to protect themselves if they are assaulted by a group of bullies, uh, whatever their motive might be. Am I close? That would have been great if you would have led off on that, but when you said, I, I know what you're about to say, so I can't stand that. That's the point. I, I'm not Candace Owens or anybody else you've met. I'm Lucretia. Hughes Klukin, that was raised and had four babies before she was 20, lived in the projects, crawled out of it, went to college, got my degree, made sure my children did not make that generational curse, and you think you know me because I got an R behind my name. They don't like me either, because I don't agree with them. 
So I don't agree with half of the stuff y'all are saying, but God made me as an individual woman. You treat me that way. Or you can always we, just go black. That's either or. But please don't ever oh, see so you know me. I have to oh, battle you. I have to battle Republicans and Democrats. No more of that. Look, I am Lucretia, yellow, black, white, and gay and straight. Look, and I was born Lucretia, in America and I rep we the people. Look, Lucretia, you realize we agree on this, right? We're, we're not arguing. We're, I don't we're know, because you were going to yeah, tell me that I was getting ready the, to say. So I'm we're, on waiting. Exact, we're on the exact same page on this, Lucretia. I will okay, go to you. Well, uh, you I'm going to go to you. I'm going to go to you next, Rebecca. So, Rebecca, on uh, on this point, uh, when we're looking at these videos of young people being assaulted, uh, what does it say that there aren't laws in place in places like South Africa to protect uh, uh, groups when it, uh, like this? In America, you know, you can count on the Department of Justice. You can hope for a local investigation. Uh, but we're dealing with this on an international level now. And what needs to be done to ensure that we are protecting the human rights of uh, people of African descent worldwide? So I have two points on this. During law school, um, I did a study abroad through Howard University's um, study abroad in South Africa program. We were at University of the Western Cape, which is a HBCU during apartheid in Cape Town. And a couple of things that we learned about apartheid specifically is the idea of having whites only and the idea of having other Jim Crow things who are actually cribbed was actually taken from American white supremacy. Apartheid really used a lot of America's racism against its black folks, and they used it as a blueprint in how um, different apartheid laws um, came about. The second point that I want to point out here is that once apartheid was formally over, there was a truth and reconciliation um, 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 committee. And it was to allow folks who did bad things during apartheid towards um, Black citizens and those who were deemed as colored citizens. It allowed for them to speak the truth and tell exactly what they did. The unfortunate part of, uh, about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission is that there was no accountability, there was no jail time, there was no restoration, there was no reparations to those Black folks who were moved into different homelands in South Africa, who lost um, generational wealth, who lost um, family land and um, other uh, materials. Um, it was never given back to those people. So what we see now, just like you pointed out very eloquently and Dr. Carr did as well, is that when we see the generation of Mandiba um, physically making their transition, and now maybe the take from um, Lucretia's word, the FAFO generation, it's gonna look different. And it's unfortunate that there wasn't true accountability when apartheid formally ended, because now we still have the ramifications of apartheid. We still have those um, vast disparities, and people are tired of it. Uh, you're absolutely correct. And we're going to monitor these situations. Uh, this is one of those things that you see in nations when there is a racial demographic shift, which we'll be looking out for in America also in the upcoming decade. Uh, because often when a group that's used to experiencing demographic and political strength through having a majority, they try to entrench themselves into the bureaucracy, entrench themselves into the judiciary. Still, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Run the economics and the social and the political structure in the nation despite not having political power. So we're going to talk more about this after the break. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. I love directing. It's a different kind of piece I do believe that the 30 years I was acting was to prepare me for what I'm supposed to be doing and that what I really am good at. But when you were acting, were you even thinking about directing? No. Nope. Were, were you, so what the hell happened? If you had asked me 15 years ago, I probably would have said, no, I don't know. I was doing Ava's, uh, Ava DuVernay's first film, I Will Follow. Mm -hmm. And during that process, I think, because it was her first film, maybe she I- She self-taught. Absolutely. I probably gave too many suggestions. And at some point, <laughs> Ava said to me, I think you're a director and you don't know it. Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. We're all 
impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hi, this is Essence Atkins. Hey, I'm Dion Cole from Blackish. Hey, everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. Activists in the Jewish community are calling on ABC to fire uh, comedian and host Whoopi Goldberg from The View uh, after, for a second time in just a year, she's made controversial statements with regards to the Holocaust in the Jewish community uh, and what were the root causes of the deaths of nearly six million Jews at the hands of, the, of Nazi Germany. Uh, in a statement with the UK paper, The Sunday Times, uh, Goldberg tried to explain away her previous comments by saying, and I quote, I'm going to read this, uh, it doesn't change the fact that you could not tell a Jew on the street, you could find me, you could find them. That was the point I was making. But you would have thought I, took, I had taken a big old stinking duck on the table. But now, Goldberg continued. Uh, Goldberg also claimed that Nazis targeted people of African descent and Jews because they were physically different. She also suggested that Jews had an easier time blending in with white people and hiding from the Nazis than black people did at the time of the Holocaust. Now, of course, Whoopi Goldberg was suspended from The View earlier this year for her comments about the Holocaust. Joining me now is Jewish uh, and Black American community leader Marie Fisher, the director of the community out of the community outreach at Harut in Summerfield, Florida. Marie, how are you doing this evening? Oh, good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much. You know, I, I've got a few black Jewish friends, but it's uh, always good to hear directly from you because you do so much work in the community. Can, can you talk about why there's so much outrage over Goldberg's comments about the Holocaust? Well, first of all, I think the first outrage come from, she said practically the same statement a year ago. She turned around and apologized, and it, everybody took it as that she was sincerely apologizing. And then she said the, almost the exact same statement again. It's like almost she doubled down. So you can see where the outrage comes from, because we've also had other people, different races, different nationalities, who've said things, and they've doubled down. You know, they've made like they've apologized. They haven't really apologized. So that's part of the reason. Part two is for her to say that it was, you know, whites going against whites, that Jews didn't look any different. And to say that that's, you know, you're basically saying all Jews are white. And I've learned just from growing from my years that that's far from it. I mean, in by Europe, Jews did look, maybe look like they're Germans, but a lot of them did not. So for her to say that it was white or white, they couldn't tell, Germans didn't care. The Germans went in, they went through records, they would look through um, records of churches to see who was, who wasn't. This wasn't they were looking for people on the street, they actually went and did research and finding out who was Jewish and who wasn't. I mean, come on, they even went back as if your grandfather was Jewish. You know, it's interesting because if you do a deep dive into kind of the causes of the Holocaust, the uh, rise of the Nazi Party uh, in the early 1930s, a big part of it goes to, towards that socioeconomic uh, uh, depression that, George, uh, that Germany went into after World War I. Uh, and then the Nazi Party rose to power, as many fascist movements do, by blaming the outsider, by blaming the Jews. They convinced the German populace that, well, the reason you don't have money is because of the you know, international Jewish community 
The reason you don't have food is because uh, the Jewish community is stealing uh, all the food and hoarding it for themselves. The reason uh, that Germany is not as great as it was under Otto von Bismarck was this sudden influx of Jewish people. And this is how you got the populace on board with it. Can you talk a little bit about the dangers of people minimizing the Holocaust in modern America, particularly when you have had so many, uh, so many anti-Semitic uh, events happening in the last couple of years? Because you're going to see history repeat itself. Like, like it says, if you don't study history, you are bound to repeat it. And when people start pointing to outsiders, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish. It doesn't matter who you are. If you look in history, when one group points to another group saying, you know, you don't have A, B, C, and D because this outside group, that leads to problems. We saw it with, you know, one thing people don't talk about, and Jews and Armenians talk about the Armenian Holocaust that occurred in the 1920s. That was also very similar, where people were accused, you know, because they're outsiders. And it could happen again. It happens over and over. You saw it happen in Africa with the, um, the Tutsis, I can't remember the other group. But again, they pointed out, oh, because they're different, they're outsiders, we need to get rid of them. It's dangerous in the society. It's always been dangerous. And for people to blame the Jews, you know, for they say the Jews were the blame for the Holocaust or because they were outsiders, if people look deep into Nazi history and what Nazis were about, they were against a moral society. And a lot of people say the main reason why they, you know, aimed for the Jews is because they felt the Jews were the source of morality. For if it wasn't for Judaism, if it wasn't for Torah, you wouldn't have Christianity, you wouldn't have Islam, you wouldn't have the Judeo-Christian, I think even as Islam, Judeo-Christian Islam ethics that you have throughout the world, which actually make up a lot of the laws and rules of most Western societies. Uh, why do you think, even until this day, when we have you know supercomputers in our hand, where we can look up any piece of information that has pretty much ever existed in the history of the world, we still have this level of ignorance when it comes to the historical nature of the Jewish community, and we still have this level of scapegoating and otherism and otherizing of the Jewish community that we've seen recently? Because it's too easy for anybody to be, to be told what they should know, instead of people actually bothering and researching. And that goes for any group. I mean, for, even as, you know, I'm black and I'm Jewish, there are a lot of things that went on in black history that a lot of blacks don't know about themselves or whites know, don't know about black history. Same for, for Jewish history, because people aren't willing to research. Um, a good example, like Whoopi says, oh, it's about whites. You know, one thing when I went through my research, I looked there and saw where Ethiopian Jews during World War II were also subjugated to a Holocaust. The Italians, who were the Nazis, al their allies, were trying to get rid of the Jews in Ethiopia. They survived, they got through it, and they even tried to get their leader, their Emperor Selassie, to have the European Jews come to Ethiopia to save them. So that was information that I never knew just by going through and researching. Mm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what should happen to someone like Whoopi Goldberg? Because clearly, uh, there seems to be a, a cycle and a pattern. Do you think this is something where uh, she should be uh, suspended again? Should she be terminated? And if this was, let's say, a conservative voice saying this, as opposed to Whoopi Goldberg, who's very active in the progressive community, do you think the punishment would have been the same? I'm not sure. Because, <laughs> first of all, I'm not one for cancel culture. But I really think Someone needs to—there needs to be more education. I—you know what? If you don't want to fire her, then you know what? Bring more education on The View. Bring more people on who can refute her, who can show her, hey, A, B, C, and D, this is history. These are the facts, not what your opinion is. And, you know, debate her. Have someone who can truly debate her and let people see how flawed her statements are.
Now, there's always been this, uh, or historically been a fair amount of tension between uh, African-American communities and Jewish communities. Uh, most recently, we've seen Kanye and uh, kind of blaming Jewish people for everything that has happened, uh, negative to him, everything from losing his wife and his family uh, to losing uh, sneaker deals, et cetera. Uh, what can we do to start bridging that gap and having more communication so that we don't have this racial scapegoating? Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, the same people who dislike the Jews are you the same people who dislike black people. So it seems like we should be try to try to get on the same side of things. We should. I mean, you look through history, the two the two things that kept both blacks and Jews strong over all the centuries was family. Family and education. I remember being when I was growing up, my parents pushed family and education. And now I'm in the Jewish community, it's family and education. Those are two things that do work for both communities. And as long as those go away, you have problems. But as blacks and Jews, there are lots of organizations out there that are working for it. You know, I work for an organization called Harut, and that's one of the things we work on. We work on for blacks and Jews everywhere to work together, especially working towards Israel. There's also another great organization called the Institute for Black Solidarity for Israel. They also work together with black churches and bringing blacks and Jews together. There are groups out there who are trying, but unfortunately, you don't hear those. You hear about, you know, you hear about the Kanye, the Kyrie, the Whoopi Goldberg, those are the ones that are making the biggest noise because that's what the media is pushing. But in reality, there's still blacks and Jews who are working together, that still respect each other, that work in hand in hand. I mean, if you look at a lot of, especially the Orthodox Jewish neighborhoods, you will find them in black communities. And some people wonder why. Because a lot of times when segregation was occurring back or segregation of white flight, a lot of Orthodox leaders stayed, they stayed put. In fact, even the Lubavitcher Rebbe told people to stay put in Crown Heights. Yes, it led to clashes and some issues, but overall, you look at Crown Heights now, and it's a growing, flourishing community with both blacks and Jews together. Uh, and, and finally, I, I do want to get your take on uh, kind of the case of the week with George Santos claiming that his grandmother fled the Holocaust and uh, was a victim, uh, claiming that his mother was Jew—he said Jew apostrophe-ish, as in kind of Jew, but not really Jewish or a practicing Jew, and those all have all seemed to be lies. What do you think should happen with George Santos? Well, he's already been elected, and there's nothing in the Constitution saying he has to resign or— but I think just let his actions speak for himself. Yes, he lied. He lied to get into office. What politician has it? Let him prove himself. If he's not worth being a congressman in two years, people will vote him out. But if he's his, worth his weight in his gold despite all his lies, even though I don't like that, I don't like for people to lie to get in office, but if he does right by his constituents, let them decide in the end. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for uh, helping us to start bridging this gap between the black community and the Jewish community. Because if you look at the, the civil rights movement, a lot of those people who got killed during the Freedom Rise and in Mississippi and the backwoods of Alabama, et cetera, were Jewish activists from the North who were coming down to help fight for civil rights here in the South. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, make sure, if you're watching online, hit the like button on Facebook and on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share the video on all your social media platforms. We're trying to get to 1,000 likes uh, on tonight's episode, so make sure you're sharing this information so we can get it out there. Mainstream media ain't having these conversations. You're watching Rolling Mount Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. We'll be back after the break. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. 
As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we've seen We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, we welcome the Black Star Network's very own Roland Martin, who joins us to talk about his new book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is making white folks lose their minds. The book explains so much about what we're going through in this country right now and how 
as white people head toward becoming a racial minority, it's going to get, well, let's just say even more interesting. We are going to see more violence. We're going to see more vitriol because as each day passes, it's, it, it is a nail in that coffin. The one and only Roland Martin on the next Black Table, right here on the Black Star Network. Hello, everyone. It's Kiara Sheard. Hey, I'm Taj. I'm Coco. And I'm Lily. And we're SWV. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. We're going to go to our panel, continue this discussion on uh, what Whoopi Goldberg said and should she be suspended? Should she be fired? Should she uh, have to make another on-screen apology? I'm going to go to you, Rebecca. Uh, just kind of legally, what what should happen to Whoopi Goldberg? There's nothing in her contract saying she can't say things about the Holocaust, but uh, does a would ABC have a leg to stand on if they wanted to terminate her with cause for doing so? Well, I think something that we have to acknowledge here is even the language with how we talk about the Holocaust has changed a lot over the last 30 years. Um, when we were listening um, to um, um, the previous guest, I was thinking about the first time when I visited the Holocaust Museum in the late 90s, um, the United States um, Holocaust Memorial Museum that's located in Washington, D.C. And if I remember correctly from that school trip, we were told about the upwards, I think, 20 million people who died um, at the hands of the Nazis. And so what's interesting, when I just pulled up the actual definition of the Holocaust from the Holocaust Museum, is that it specifically talks about the uh, systematic state-sponsored persecution and murder of 6 million European Jews by the Nazi German regime and its allies and collaborators. And so one thing that I have noticed when I look at the language that a lot of Holocaust museums around the United States uses, it does center and talk about the six million European Jews. And that is different language than the language that we heard in the 90s, where there was um, references to the other millions of people who also died during that what is now called the Holocaust period between 1933 and 1945. So I think one thing that we do have to acknowledge is that language around with how we talk about the Holocaust has changed. The language in which with how we talk about race, like, for example, the previous guest talked about Blacks and Jews. We know that Jewish people can be Black. We know Jewish people can be white, can be of European descent. So even when we use those words, sometimes we use those words to distinguish the two groups when there's sometimes there's overlap. There are Black folks who are Jewish. So I think we do have to take a step back. We actually have to hear people out and understand what it is that they're trying to communicate. And we have to acknowledge that language has changed around us in the last 30 years. And once again, what your previous guest said, I think is very important, is we have to spend the time to educate ourselves, but also to educate our society on how we even talk about this and how we talk about the Holocaust. Because the language is simply different than what it was, like I said, when I um, took my school trip in high school. 
Dr. Carr, I think that we, we have to acknowledge and uh, pay homage to the Holocaust of the European Jews, of course, but I think that needs to be part of a broader conversation. I'd love to also put much emphasis on uh, the Holocaust of King Leopold in uh, the Congo or the Armenian genocide, uh, as was mentioned during the World War I, where uh, the Ottoman Empire, now Turkey, uh, literally displaced uh, something like 20 million Armenians to the middle of the desert and let them starve to death. Uh, in addition to ensuring that we are uh, properly acknowledging the Holocaust of European Jews, what can be done to put a context around this when we're talking about larger issues of genocide globally and what may be owed thereafter by those governments that committed those uh, acts? Well, Robert, I think it's going to take good faith and it's going to take courage. And it's going to take, as Rebecca said, some, some education, some study. There's a lot to untangle with our previous guests. Uh, first of all, let's just say we should be against oppression in all its forms, and that's something that certainly, uh, you know, Lucretia, you've been saying all night. We've got to we got to stand against those who do harm to any of us. That that's number one. With that in mind, of course, Swoopy Goldberg should not be fired or suspended. Why? Because if we're going to be intelligent about this, and, and I'm setting aside now calls for her suspension from people like Jonathan Greenblatt at the Anti-Defamation League, because his job is to be a rapid response uh, kind of muscle to immediately come out with this. We have to put this in a context, as you said. There weren't just Jews who were killed in Hitler's Germany. In fact, Hitler-based, if you go and look at James Whitman's book, recent book, Hitler's, Hitler's American Model, many of the race laws that were put, place in, put in place in Nazi Germany were put in place after studying what was done to the African people in this country. They, they sent people here to study that. But that having been said, uh, the Roma, who people use a slur and call them the gypsies, were persecuted. Homosexuals were persecuted. And yes, black people in Germany, probably no, none more prominent than Ernest Everett Just, a scientist who won the Spingarn Medal for the MACP, who narrowly avoided the concentration camps himself in Germany. If you read Firpo Carr's book, F-I-R-P-O, Carr, same as mine, but no relation, Hitler's Black Victims, you find out that black people were there. But 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 so so we have to deal with those things. But let's for a moment distinguish between that and what we're talking about now, because these are two distinct things going on. What we're talking about now, while we're on the show today, in Israel today, Bibi Netanyahu, back, back from the political dead, is now leading probably the most right-wing government in the history of Israel. Our sister who just came on and talked about black people and Jews, and this mentioned something called the Black Support Group for Israel. Well, and then she mentioned the Falasha Jews. Listen, the Italians under Mussolini were attacking the Ethiopians, including the Falasha, who are the original Jews. Now, I'm not talking about what Kyrie is uh, talking about, because see, what happens is this stuff gets all mixed up. But understand that the Abrahamic faith traditions came out of Africa. They are Africa exports, and much of Judaism was borrowed from the ancient Egyptian. That having been said, those same Falasha Jews, whether it be Operation Moses, you remember those airlifts in the 80s and, and, and when they were having the problems in Ethiopia around famine? When they got to Israel, they were treated like the N-words. Some of the most racist acts in the history of the modern world have been committed in Israel by white people against the Palestinians, against Falasha or better Israel Jews of African descent, Ethiopians. This gets very complicated, but I'll end with this. When Whoopi Goldberg said, we're probably not a race, she made the mistake of including herself as Jewish. And what rears its head in that moment is, I don't care. 
if you say anything, you are now going to enter the political minefield of contemporary politics as it relates to, to Israel, the state of Israel. It's a very different thing. And you can't be black and Jewish. Yes, technically you can. But when you say we're probably not a race, they said they heard you said white people that Jews are not a race. I said we. No, we don't count. I can't hear you. Why? My politics in the contemporary moment is too loud and it's drowning us out. So it's going to take courage. It's going to take good faith. And I don't know that any of those, either of those things are in enough supply for us, us to have an intelligent conversation about this. Oh, oh, Dr. Carr, I want to stay with you on, on that point, uh, because I, I think that uh, it, the the Jewish community does a great job of, as you say, having a rapid response department, that the minute something happens, whether domestically or internationally, uh, they are able to push that out into the media. They can have those things denounced. Uh, we saw in the Kanye situation, Rahm Emanuel's brother sent out one tweet, and Kanye was broke a few minutes later. Uh, <laughs> what has to happen in the Black community for us to have that same sort of human anonymity when it comes to the same sorts of slights and the same sorts of questions when it comes to the, the black folks? Well, uh, well, Robert, I'll say this. We know that the black community is not a monolith. The Jewish community is not a monolith. In fact, I wouldn't even call them communities because we have to be very careful. I mean, Amari Stoudemire is Jewish, for that matter, and has lived in Israel. He's a basketball player. You understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, it becomes very broad. What I think it would take is, again, good faith and not immediately jumping to force a conversation in a way that will only re, only re, result in violence or a, a violent reaction. What do I mean by that? Certainly no one, certainly not me, and I don't think anybody here would endorse Kanye West's kind of broad, kind of vitriolic diatribe. At the same time, we have to understand that the response to that simply backs the black community, so to speak, into a corner, because we can't have honest and open conversation. There's a very interesting book called uh, by Mark Bollinger called uh, Black Power, Jewish Politics. It's about how Jewish communities in the United States in the 1960s and 70s, looking at black nationalist and pan-African formation, took a lot of cues from how black people were getting together. And this is when you see the rise and the kind of proliferation of something that existed before, but really begins to move in terms of Jewish day schools and these kind of pride organizations that came together. There, There's a lot of evidence of cooperation that goes beyond just the civil rights movement, although that is there, as you mentioned. But what it's going to take for us in terms of black people, if we wanted a rapid response team like that, go back to the Garvey movement who said, look at uh, look at the Zionists and how they're dealing with Palestine. Black people need to do the same thing. Well, see, we can't do that. Why? Because it is in the interest of United States foreign policy, as you know well, to support Israel in the way that it is supporting it. And that is bipartisan. You better not try to mess with that foreign aid money that goes to Israel. Well, if you're a black American, particularly if you're one that anchors yourself completely around this American flag and doesn't look globally in terms of some form of solidarity between African people and other places, you can't model that. Why? There is no rapid response team for the American Negro as long as we are wrapping ourselves around that flag. Israel is able to influence the world the way it does, in part because there is a global solidarity around the concept. I'm not critiquing it. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just observing it. And I'm saying if we want something like that, it's going to take us going beyond these national boundaries and beginning to see each other in a form of solidarity. And we can take a lesson from Israel in that regard.
Absolutely. Lucretia, I want to get your thoughts on George Santos uh, while we brought it up. Him claiming to have a Jewish grandmother who survived the Holocaust, apparently lying about everything. What do you think should happen to somebody like that who lies to get into office? Um, welcome to United States politics. I'm sorry, <laughs> Republicans and Democrats. Who still lockstep and believe these people? They only need you and they only come and talk to you every two to four years. You still believe in them? when our national debt is $32 um, trillion, when people every walk of life can't even put clothes on their backs or food on the table, and you think I care about what a politician got to say. What you got to say? How you going to survive for the next day? Because if we're waiting on them, I'm sorry. The government is not here to help you whatsoever. So like they said, you, you super smart, but all you got to do is pick up the book if you want to read. But if you just want to continue listening to sound bites, then do it. I haven't watched television in eight years. So I have no idea half the crap y'all talk about. I ain't got time for that no more. It's a bunch of crap. And I said it. So all of this stuff, would they get rid of whooping? No, that's their cash cow. That lady can say whatever she wants. She could come and attack me. She could call me out my name. She could say anything she want about me because I believe in my nation. Because I, leave, I believe in my next door neighbor who happens to be a white man. Because I believe in my mother and my ancestors. And I believe what this woman taught me. So it doesn't even matter. Me holding up this picture probably made a whole bunch of people twerk a little bit because they mad. At least I know my past. At least that school teacher did not, she refused for me to be ignorant. At least my father made me read a book every, every week. And at least they said, if you want to be smart, pick up a book, because most people won't. At least you'll be 90% smarter than the next man. So for everyone to be super smart with a computer in their hand, turn off the TV, research for yourself, and digest and use your common sense. So I'm going to remember who my ancestors, who they truly was. That woman was a school teacher. I got a doctor. She was the last slave. So all these people that they say that we are unex we are exceptional. We're not exceptional. This is the norm in the black community. So I don't know what to tell y'all. I don't know what television y'all are watching. I'm sorry, I use my own logical mind. I'm not gonna listen to what anybody else gotta say. You put it on a piece of paper. Let me read it. Let me use my common sense, then get back at me. So I don't do this. I don't go and look at a fight well, video so I can get angry and hate the white man. Well, look, Lucretia, we got to hit a quick break. All right, Lucretia, we got to hit a quick break. But we're going to keep this conversation going after the break. I think it was a great discussion on my multifaceted and multilayered. Uh, you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. We'll be back after the break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I love directing. It's a different kind of piece I do believe that the 30 years I was acting was to prepare me for what I'm supposed to be doing and that what I really am good at. But when you were acting, were you even thinking about directing? No. Nope. Were, were you... So what the hell happened? If you had asked me 15 years ago, I probably would have said, no, I don't know. I was doing Ava's, uh, Ava DuVernay's first film, I Will Follow. Mm-hmm. And during that process, I think, because it was her first film, maybe she I... She self-taught. Absolutely. I probably gave too many suggestions. And at some point, (laughs) Ava said to me, I think you're a director and you don't know it. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, We're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Hi, I'm Teresa Griffin. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. (laughs) 
Make sure you like, subscribe, uh, share the uh, share this out. We are getting so much great feedback. My favorite comment thus far uh, was over on the Facebook page where somebody says, oh my God, I can't believe I've agreed, agreed with Lucretia on every single thing tonight. So I love the conversation that we're having. I really thank everybody uh, for your uh, participation. This show is about you, about serving the community, and we really want you to pay that back by making sure you like, subscribe, share. One a thousand likes on the video on all pro on platforms. We want Roland to get back and be like, dang, y'all put up them numbers out there. Trying to be Luka Doncic, 60-point triple doubles. That's what we're doing. Just like the video. Um, that's the most urban thing we're going to say all day. All right, we're going to get back to Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, as you know, there have been uh, water issues in Jackson for the last several years. Uh, like many other parts of the country, Jackson was hit by frigid temperatures during the bomb cyclone last week, causing water mains to break. Uh, many parts of the city experienced little to no water pressure. Uh, Jackson is still under a boil water advisory currently. Uh, in November, the U.S. Department of Justice reached a settlement with Jackson and it filed a another complaint uh, over Jackson's alleged mismanagement of the water system. Joining us now to discuss is Councilman Aaron Banks, who represents Ward 6 there in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Councilman Banks, how are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I, I am outstanding. Could you uh, explain a little bit about the current state of the water system there in Jackson, Mississippi, and when do you think it will be repaired? Yeah, currently right now, uh, you know, we are starting to see a pickup in pressure. Uh, one of the things is Jackson, Mississippi, being in the south, is not used to having temperatures of 8 degrees, 11 degrees, you know, 12 degrees, three to four days at a time. And so when we have that and our water plant had not, you know, not being previously winterized, uh, it causes problems, especially when we have an aging infrastructure uh, that's decades old and when we've had... Uh, decades of neglect from the state government and uh, as far as when it comes to the resources that are poured into our system. Uh, and, and with that, is there any estimation on when the boiling water advisory will uh, will end? Uh, or or residents is simply advised, you know, kind of stock up on uh, bottled water and distilled water uh, to uh, kind of hunker in for the long haul? Well, look, um, it's, the boil water notices have lifted for certain parts of the city. Uh, there are certain parts of the city that are on well water, then there are certain parts of the city that are on surface water that come straight from the plant. Uh, the area where I stay, I've been without water since Friday. I've been staying with my parents. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, you know, we, we've got boiled water. People have been sending boiled water. We're grateful. You know, the mayor of Beaumont, Texas, Houston, you know, Birmingham are different partners. But one of the major concerns for me is making sure that we have those tankers aboard because during the holiday season, people need to flush. You know, uh, this is where people have company coming into the South. And, you know, during this holiday, if you could just imagine people not being able to flush their water. And so hopefully, you know, by tomorrow, as temperatures are continuing to warm up, we will identify those breaks. And uh, uh, the uh, third-party manager, Ted, who has been appointed by the EPA, uh, will help us find a resolve in getting this, uh, you know, our, our customers water as soon as possible. So it's not it's not something that's going to get fixed, you know, in the next couple of days. It's going to be a little while before a thing gets done. I, I, because I want people to understand, if they're going to buy water or other supplies, do I need to get enough for this weekend, or do I need to get enough for, like, next week? Yeah, look, uh, I, you know, it's always best to stock up. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing consistently is providing uh, uh 
you know, bottled water drives. We now do have tankers at, uh, uh, at the uh, fairgrounds here in the uh, city of Jackson. But at the end of the day, we need to make sure uh, it's always better to be safe than sorry. It's always best to be overprepared than not prepared at all. And right now, there are just a lot of uncertainties with our system uh, because of the years of disinvestment. Well, oh, speaking of that, you know, we, we saw the judgment in uh, November with the Department of Justice uh, complaint against the city. What has to happen to fix this issue going forward and really modernize the system so it doesn't, every time there's some kind of national event, uh, this doesn't happen? Yeah, look, one of the first things is, uh, you know, show us the money. You know, Jackson is the capital city of the state of Mississippi. If you look at the amount of appropriations from the state government to the capital city when it comes to uh, just being able to provide our clean water with the aging infrastructure we have, it will tell you a big story. Uh, the other thing that is necessary is uh, uh, making sure that we can adequately uh, pay uh, Class A operators. One of the reasons uh, why we saw some of the issues that we saw is because we have not been able to afford to pay Class A operators the money necessary or to hire the talent necessary uh, to make sure that we could prevent this on the front end. Uh, and, and I think we see this happening, you know, not just in Jackson, but anywhere where you look at blue cities and red states and you look at the significant disinvestment that has taken place, uh, we have to have a real conversation about the lack of investment that have happened over a period of time. And then all of a sudden you blame it and say, hey, it's the black city's fault. They're irresponsible. And so, you know, at this time, we, you know, we're grateful. We're thankful for the EPA. We're thankful for, you know, my good friend, Administrator Regan, you know, out of D.C. And, you know, Ted, who is the third party administrator, um, you know, but at the end of the day, the people here in Jackson feel that it's the same old, same old. Uh, and, you know, I'm ready and I'm anxious to see a fix. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because last year we saw Congress uh, pass and the president signing the law, uh, the $1.7 trillion infrastructure bill. And part of what they said they earmarked money from, uh, money for uh, was to help the aging and crumbling infrastructure in places like Jackson, places like Flint, Michigan, et cetera. Has there been any help or any resources from the federal government to help for a long-term solution to the city's water supply? Yeah, sure. So let me say this. Uh, one of the things that was very helpful was Bill which is the bipartisan infrastructure law, which then allowed monies to go directly to municipalities. Prior to that, and, and I think what people have to understand is that we didn't get here overnight. We didn't get here in the past four years. This is decades of reinvestment. Prior to that, when there were money set aside for infrastructure that came to a state, it would come into the state coffers. The state would allocate it to either uh, the, central, uh, the Central Mississippi Planning uh, Development District uh, and to other organizations, and then it will be based on what the majority Republican House said on how that money was spent. And, and so then what ends up happening is uh, you see surrounding cities, you see other people getting dynamic investments for a bill that was passed for cities like ours, for a bill that was passed for cities that have like problems like ours. And so one of the things that I think that is very important is that uh, we need to continue to push federally that uh, when we come to these type of bills, uh, not just with uh, public work issues, uh, but also public safety issues, that there is a direct investment from the federal government to directly to those municipalities, and it bypasses state where it doesn't get caught up in a lot of red tape so that we can put the money where it needs to go.
And and with uh, and with that, uh, so the process has started. It seems like when it comes to fixing these issues. But what are the roadblocks that are currently in place? What are the things that are holding this up? Uh, because I think, particularly for the citizens there in Jackson, I, I had a lot of friends who went to college down there. Uh, that we used to road trip down there from Atlanta. They just want a functioning system. So what what is going to have to happen in order for uh, the next step to be taken? Yeah, look, first of all, I hope your friends all went to Jack State University, uh, where I attended school. Uh, but, you know, I, the, the next step is, of course, is as we are working on a water plant and making sure that our raw water screens are uh, significant, making sure that our pumps are working adequately, making sure that we winterize our membranes at the water uh, plant, making sure that we have the proper chemical mix and that we get staffing. Uh, we have to address the aging infrastructure under the ground. And we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of square miles of pipes uh, from communities that were built ages ago uh, that have older pipes. And so just imagine when you have a city where the normal flow might have been somewhere up to 80 PSI, and then all of a sudden it kicks up to around 120 PSI. So now imagine those pipes that are not used to that flow they pop. Or imagine in an age where there is global warming, or uh, uh, in an age where we do see temperatures changing. Mississippi hadn't uh, experienced 11 degree, 8 degree weather for two or three days at a time. There's a reason why this happened. So in an age where this is happening, uh, you know, uh, our systems weren't built to handle that in the past. And these are systems that were built ages ago or decades ago. Uh, and, and so we have to now look at revitalizing not only our systems, uh, and, and at, at, at some point I think we need a new plant, uh, but we have to look at uh, making sure that we can deal with the type of inclement weather that we've been having, the type of flooding and unexpected weather that we're not used to getting because of other issues that are going around globally. Uh, well, then how can people help? Are there individuals in other states who are, have a church or community group they want to send uh, truckloads of water or other supplies, humanitarian goods? Uh, what are good ways for people to help support the people of Jackson as they go through this? Look, one of the things they could do is they could call, uh, they could call directly to my office, 601-960-1089. Uh, they could reach out uh, to the city of Jackson. Uh, we're not hard to find. We're online. Uh, and, you know, bottled water. Uh, sanitizing, hand sanitizers, gloves, all of those things uh, that will help us on the front end. Uh, look, let me tell you something. The people of Jackson are resilient, and we appreciate our surrounding cities, Birmingham, Beaumont, Monroe. I mean, I can't, Montgomery, Alabama, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Memphis, Nashville, I can't name enough. They have really stepped up to help us in this cause. And so continuing to send that fresh water, uh, hand sanitizer, you know, that type of stuff so that we can make sure that we are addressing this because water is very essential. Uh, and, you know, there have even been groups and companies that have bought in fresh food and pay for hot plates because in areas spe specifically in my ward, Ward 6, when they don't have running water, guess what? People can't cook. And and providing those plates and providing any type of necessity like that has been very helpful, will be very helpful.
You know, here in Atlanta, the, the best mayor that we've had uh, since Andy Young was Shirley Franklin, not because she built stadiums or hotels or anything else, but because she fixed the sewer system in the city. Uh, that's the least glamorous thing for politicians to do, to fix the infrastructure of a city, but that's the only thing that allowed Atlanta to grow kind of into the metropolis it is today versus what it was uh, before she took office. It's, everybody loves, you know, the, the entertainment part. You got to get those sewers right. What are What's the issue coming from the state government, and why are they not prioritizing fixing the system there in the state capital? Is it because Jackson's majority black city, or is there just other things going on in the state where they are not investing in the infrastructure there? You know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the politics of norm when you deal with red states and blue cities, just, 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 just to be uh, honest with you. I, I think even in Georgia, you know, me having the opportunity to stay in Riverdale for a minute, you know, understand at the time I stayed in Riverdale, it was not a black city. I understand it's a black city now. Uh, but but one of the things that uh, I think we have to come to understand the politics of it is that, oh, they're a capital city. They got black leadership. Let them do it on their own. They don't need us. Instead of representing uh, and saying, you know what, they're in the city of Jackson, whether they're black or not, whether they're in the capital city, whether the politics are Democrat, Republican, they are people who are citizens of the state of Mississippi, we must do what's necessary to take care of them. And, and, and part of that also, you know, is also on a, is also uh, a burden uh, within our community. I'll give you an example. Part of the problems that we're having with our sewer system is fog. That's fats, oils, and grease. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, many communities, parents may say, I remember when I was growing up, uh, boy, get the grease out that pan and pour the hot water or turn the hot water on, pour the grease down the sink. Well, that causes fog. That that causes clogs within the sewer system. And so being able to educate, inform, and being able to spend those type of resources uh, within the capital city uh, to help prevent those things as we begin to mitigate those issues would be helpful. But, I, I, I you know, one of the things I pray for is that we can get beyond the politics as usual and begin to say, you know, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Regardless of them being Democrat, they're being a black city or what, uh, they're citizens of the state of Mississippi, and it's our responsibility to make sure that they have adequate sewer and adequate water. Thank you so much, Aaron Banks, City Councilman, uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Got anything to say about Dion before we go? Hey, no, no, I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do that to you. Not going to do that to you. You got to play. I Be a diplomat. Best, all I'm going to say is go TC. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're watching Rolling Martyr Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Make sure to like and subscribe to the page, share the video. We'll be back after the break. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, it's time to tie up those loose ends. Setting yourself up for balance, success, and even prosperity in the new year. Financial expert Pamela Sams joins our panel. She will give us a checklist of things that we need to do before the calendar turns. We develop our money mindset by the age of six. And so we have our sometimes six-year-old self still operating in the background of our money scripts. That's next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, we welcome the Black Star Network's very own Roland Martin, who joins us to talk about his new book, White Fear, how the browning of America is making white folks lose their minds. The book explains so much about what we're going through in this country right now and how, as white people head toward becoming a racial minority, it's going to get, well, let's just say even more interesting. We are going to see more violence. We're going to see more vitriol because as each day passes, it's, it, it is a nail in that coffin. The one and only Roland Martin on the next Black Table, right here on the Black Star Network. Ha, 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 ha. 
What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Philanthropist, author, community activist, comedy legend, Bill Cosby has announced that he's going to be returning to the road, uh, saying that he's going to go on tour in 2023. Uh, the 85-year-old, of course, uh, was convicted in 2018 on a litany of charges, but was later released in 2021 when those charges were overturned by the state Supreme Court. Uh, Mr. Cosby is still uh, facing five uh, lawsuits in the state of New York. Uh, however, he says that this tour will be an opportunity for him to tell his side of the story. Uh, so I'm going to go to the panel on this. Rebecca, starting with you, I, I want you to put your legal hat on first, and I'll, I'll have a follow-up question. But as if you were Mr. Cosby's attorney, and he has five charges facing against him, would you advise him to go on the road to tell his side of the story? Well, it depends. Does he have the money to pay me? <laughs> I mean, this really might be a financial calculation. Mm-hmm. But but so, do you think I mean, were... if he needs the money, he needs to go out on the road. I understand, but I the only thing I hear is as an attorney is just someone accidentally just saying all the incriminating evidence that the other side needs. You know, it's one thing if you need the money; it's another thing if you're going to cost yourself money in the long run. We have these five civil suits still pending against you. I mean, when he made the jokes about the pudding pops and said some of the other things, he already went on the record and admitted to some of these things. So what's the difference? He has bills to pay. He has, um, you know, people that he needs. This, I think this is really a money grab. Um, I think that's all that this is. I think he spent so many millions of dollars dealing with the Pennsylvania case and with um, these five pending cases. I think Bill Cosby needs money. And if there are people who are willing to give him the money, well, I mean, I'm not going to be there, so— uh, Dr. Carr, uh, do you think that there's anything uh, that Bill Cosby can do to uh, become redeemable in the eyes of the public? Maybe if he tells his side of the story, at least might, this might be his calculation, uh, to get back in the good graces of public opinion and, if nothing else, put some context into his legacy, uh, to not let his legacy be this individualized event, but the totality of his lifespan? That's tough, Robert. I mean— you know, with this recent documentary that we uh, saw, or some people saw, I didn't watch it. Uh, we need to talk about Bill Cosby. I don't think there's anything that an 85-year-old man can do to redeem his legacy in the sense of kind of rehabilitating himself with whatever time he has left. Um, I hadn't thought about that, Rebecca. Maybe he does need the money. Um, certainly there will be spectacle and he's going to subject himself to that. If I were a member of his family or somebody close to him, I would say, uh, elder stand down because you are about to be assaulted and you'll be assaulted for pay. And there'll be a lot of money thrown around, uh, that haven't been said. Uh, we saw today that, um, you know, Baba Edson Arantes do Nascimento known to the world as Pele made transition today, the greatest football player in the history of the sport in Brazil, the Black Pearl, at 82. He, he will go down in history as one of the greatest figures in his craft, in the history of, of his craft. Bill Cosby uh, will not. Now, the question you asked, I don't know if it was a trick question, Robert, but it's, it's kind of nuanced. Redeemable? 
Well, I mean, we live in a society where people pay respect to James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, and George Washington. And if I were around during that period, I hope I would have been one of the people trying to kill each one of them to escape. Uh, they were our Holocaust minders. That having been said, they're redeemable. And uh, I don't want to step into the landmine field of Bill Cosby, but if I were one of his children, over, I'd say, man, you got to stay at home. You know, I think to Rebecca's point, uh, it very much does seem like an act of desperation because, as you said, it's going uh, for as many people to buy tickets. Uh, there could be more people outside protesting. There could be women's groups out there. Uh, if you think people are heckling Chappelle now uh, for his quote unquote anti trans comments, uh, what do you think is going to happen to Bill Cosby when he hits the road? Lucretia, I want you to bring you in on this. Uh, do you think there's a place for people who have been uh, canceled, quote unquote, by society uh, to try to come? Back to people have the ability and the right to try to clear their name in whatever way they deem necessary to try to get their side of the story out there. Me, um, that's the only thing I can say. Camilla, go get your husband. Go ahead and, <laughs> and rub his feet and, and get ready to make sure that Will is in place. Man, go sit down somewhere. It's enough of that. We we don't we tired of you, Bill. Uh, Camilla, go get your husband. That's that's pretty much it. You know, that's the best That's the best advice I've heard all night. All right, want to thank our panel. Want to thank Rebecca. Want to uh, thank Dr. Carr. Want to thank Lucretia. Want to thank all of our guests today. They've been outstanding. I want to thank Roland Martin for letting me fill his seat a little bit uh, while he is out. I'll be back tomorrow, uh, of course, to close out while we're doing our year in review. We're going to be talking about some of the biggest stories of 2022 and doing a little predicting for 2023. Got to thank everybody in the control room. They're in my ear making all this possible. I I'm just I just make it look pretty. They're doing the real work. As I say to end every show, in the words of Gil Scott Heron, no matter the consequences of the fear to grip your senses, you've got to hold on to your dreams. Hold on to your dreams, America. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated.